Gavanen. And so he lied to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? Here on this fine Tuesday, March 4th, 2014. Oh my gosh, I cannot even believe that it is March of 2014. I'm here Tuesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. And that music you are hearing in the background is the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore from the Fellowship of the Ring of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So this is the show where we, I, celebrate all things Tolkien, Middle-earth, Elvish, Michael Vannin and Suilide Elfriends, if you are listening on the airwaves at 88.9 FM or perhaps through our website at KUCI.org, we stream live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we broadcast from the University of California at Irvine, right here in what I like to think of as the phallus the gray havens of Middle Earth, <laughs> the the landscape and the temperature and the climate, I'm quite sure, are very similar to what Elven Home in Middle Earth would have been. So I have wonderful things to discuss today and to uh, hopefully maybe bring to your attention for contemplation and consideration and mindfulness. Um... If you are, if you'd like to contact me, I would love to hear from you. My email is askanelf at yahoo.com. And you can find podcasts and information about this show, the past shows, and all of our public affairs programming at www.kuci.talk.org. Or you can find podcasts of What Would Arwen Do on iTunes? And also on our homepage at KUCI.org. Just go to Archives, Podcasts, and look for my show. Or maybe listen to some of the other uh, public affairs programming we have. I want to say good luck to all of those uh, interns and prospective DJs who are finishing the DJ training here at KUCI and taking their tests tomorrow. So we've been having interns on the shows and people kind of sitting in and working on their demo tapes and each quarter of the college um, cycle we have new programs and new programming because we are primarily students but we also have a lot of community members that participate here at KUCI over a 100 of us all volunteers so if you are interested and you are student, staff, or faculty of UCI, you might want to keep an eye on our website. We will, we will be announcing the next DJ training, probably about, a, it usually starts a week or two into the new quarter, which will be in April. And uh, yeah, you can find out what it's all about or email us at training at KUCI.org. So this is What Would Arwen Do? I've been doing the show since... June of 2005 and asking what would an elf do in the world today to celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth. I believe these are things that elves would be concerned about if they lived today, about the issues of sustainability and love and community and the arts 
and music, which fuels our souls. And here at QCI, we do not play any mainstream music because, well, we're happy for all of those who have made it big in the music industry. There are lots of people out there writing and making great music that haven't made it to the major airwaves yet. So please check out our programming uh, anytime at KUCI.org or 88.9 FM on your radio dial. So if you've been with me for a while, you know that I love all things Middle Earth, both the movies and the books. And this is March. It's my birthday month (laughs) because um, I believe that one day is not enough to celebrate a human being. So whenever somebody has a birthday, I always remind them that it's not happy birthday day. It's always happy birthday month because... As we all know, there's always people and things that, you know, don't happen right on our birthday. And uh, so March is one of my favorite months, not so much because of my birthday, but because especially here in Southern California, it's the beginning of spring. And already I've been hearing the birds singing and uh, chattering to each other. We've had quite a warm uh, winter here in Southern California. And but last week we had lots of wonderful rain. And Sunday were the Oscars. So, yes, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, was nominated for th- in three categories. Did not win in those three categories. While I lost out to Gravity, which I have yet to see, but I probably will see it. And um, it's probably being brought back on the big screen somewhere, which would, as with most space space-type films, it's always good to see it on the really big screen. So congratulations to all of those who won. But there is yet another installment of The Hobbit coming up, coming out in December of this year, 2014. So I love the music of The Hobbit movies and of Middle Earth that Howard Shore created. So I'm going to play a little music for you today from The Hobbit. And this is one of my favorite pieces from the first Hobbit, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, because it it brings together many of the themes that we found in the Lord of the Rings movies. So uh, in talking to... Um, a fan. Actually, last week, I believe it was Kathy who was here from the net. She mentioned that one of the reasons that The Hobbit was not eligible to be um, nominated for music is that some of the themes are already present in the Lord of the Rings films. Well, this is very intentional because Howard Shore and um, Peter Jackson and the powers that be and that govern those things want there to be a continuity between the Hobbit movies and the Lord of the Rings because it is a long continuing story. So there will definitely be some musical motifs, the the mo- musical motif for the ring and for Rivendell and for the elves in general. Of course, we get introduced, as we did in the Lord of the Rings movies, to the music of Rohan and of Minas Tirith. In the Hobbit movies, we are finding the original music and musical motifs for the dwarves and Lake Town. So 
I just love it. it. It doesn't make me feel like, oh, it's something rehashed. It just, to me, seems such an artistic, you know, um, genius to bring these things in and yet have this continuity. So one of my favorite songs from the uh, original motion pictures, picture, picture soundtrack special edition of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, part one of The Hobbit tr- Trilogy, is called Overhill. And let's hear that right now, and maybe you'll recognize some of the musical motifs. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. from The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. And that was, in fact, the dwarves singing, Richard Armitage and the dwarf cast singing Misty Mountains. And that is original music made for The Hobbit movies with uh, the words taken from J.R.R. Tolkien from The Hobbit book. So... Lots of wonderful things still coming up for we fans of Middle Earth. And I believe The Hobbit will be is being released sometime in early April. And then, of course, there's always the extended edition, which I haven't even had a chance to see, the extended edition of The Hobbit Unexpected Journey, the first Hobbit, but something to look forward to. So welcome back. This is What Would Arwen Do? I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And here it is, March of 2014, March 4th to be exact. Tomorrow is March 5th. And this marks the day of the beginning of Lent. And growing up, I didn't really know anything about Lent. I was brought up when we went to church, which wasn't that often, usually it was Easter Sunday and maybe one or two other times during the year for, I don't know, whatever reasons, and the Baptist tradition. And then when my mother was married to my stepfather, it was the Methodist tradition. And I really had no sense of God during that time, other than I liked sitting in church because I just would think, I just liked the feeling of it. And I thought, God is here. That's really cool. But my favorite part of church was when uh, they took the offering, and afterwards, when we got to go and put our little nickel in the plate and get a donut. <laughs> yes, I must say what a spiritual child I was, but that's that's what I remembered most, and um, how wonderful that was, to get a donut on Sunday afternoons at church. My practicing Christian life did not come about until I was about 30. And it's been quite an amazing and wonderful adventure, uh, walking with Jesus in this world. And I love the work of J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis because of their spirituality as well as their genius in writing great literature. And this last week, so especially over the last few years, I've been 
there's that part of me that just want, that longs to just go somewhere and be set apart for God. And some people will think, oh, Tony, that's so weird. <laughs> but it d- does appeal to me. And I love going to spend time in church and um, not when anyone's there, but just, you know, like to go and pray and things like that. And there's this wonderful article that I found last week in St. Anthony Messenger, which is the, um, it's a publication of the Roman Catholic Church. And Barbara, who I live with, who's a Roman Catholic, uh, gets this. I think I shared with you all at one point that I tried la- actually it was this year last this time last year that I thought I would join the Roman Catholic Church but it turns out they won't really have me I'm welcome to come but I can't become a Catholic because of being divorced so it is what it is um but and you know I just love God and love Jesus and want to grow in being a kinder and more compassionate person and caring for the earth that they created. So, um, and I'm always asking, you know, well, how do I do that? Lord, <laughs> you know, what, what difference does my little life, what difference can it make in the world? So I thought, well, maybe I should go somewhere and just spend all the time praying, but then I wouldn't be able to have the princess parties and spend time with the little warrior princesses who are asking the same questions, and they're only 12 or 13 or 14. Lindsay the other day was saying, when are we going to have another princess party? And these are wonderful because we do little princess things. We get our favorite food. We watch a princess movie or two. And we talk about things about what does courage mean and, you know, what are what are the true characteristics of a princess, not, you know, feeling entitled and all of that. And if I'm away somewhere as a hermit, I wouldn't be able to have these conversations with the princesses, and we wouldn't get to spend time together and think of not only uh, valuable ways, but fun ways to spend our time and energy while we're here on this planet. But this article called The Life of a Modern Hermit, I found greatly encouraging. It's called, it says, Inspired by St. Clair. Marsha Muzarelli spends her days in prayer and solitude at her home in Kentucky. And it's a wonderful article. You can probably get it online at stanthonymessenger.org. It's in the March 2014 issue of St. Anthony Messenger. But it's she's very it's very interesting this story of her because okay. It says, um, if you saw Marsha Muzzarelli at Mass or in the market, your first thought would not be hermit. It would probably be classy lady. She has the warm smile and graceful bearing of a successful businesswoman, which, in fact, she was. Her short, stylish brunette hair is tinted with red, framing a pretty oval face. Although she does not conjure the usual image of a hermit, Marsha experienced a conversion in 1998 that led her to that lifestyle, far from the secular world, having a simpler life devoted to prayer. It says, The Christian religion has a long tradition of hermits, men and women who live a solitary life for spiritual reasons, beginning with the legendary 3rd century St. Anthony of Egypt and continuing to the 20th century's most famous hermit, Thomas Merton, one of my personal heroes, of the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky. 
Marsha lives near Gethsemane in a newly constructed hermitage made of beige stucco. She designed the home herself, patterning it after St. Damiano, the famous monastery of Clare of Assisi. Set far back from the country road leading to the nearby monastery, Marcia's house is shielded from the curious by a privacy fence. And it goes on to talk about um, her, the chapel there, and it says, Marcia says she is a cradle Catholic who had a conversion experience. At the time, she was a wealthy single mom, twice divorced, living in a 6,000-square-foot home with maids, a limousine, and a chauffeur. The only thing I didn't have was a butler, she says, laughing. And then there's a a lovely picture of her here. Uh, She says, uh, says she was a corporate accountant for the family business, living the high life and dabbling in magic with her boyfriend. I came from a family attuned to psychic phenomena, Marcia says, dreams, visions, signs, and omens. A series of disturbing events, including a house fire caused by lightning and unexpected balls of light bouncing around her bedroom at night, which Marcia believes were ghostly visitations, led to her conversion. While browsing in a bookstore with her fiancé, she came upon a book called The Foolishness of God, chronicling the life of St. Francis of Assisi and his disciple St. Clair. From that time on, Marcia was pulled more and more back to her Catholic roots. My fiancé noticed the change immediately, she says. Shortly thereafter, they went their separate ways, and he never tried to contact her again. Then came the real turning point in Marcia's life. Says across the street from the two blocks housing her family's business was a soup kitchen run by a local Catholic church, Marcia recalls. She resented the poor and homeless who congregated there, taking up all the parking spaces with their rattle-trapped cars. A man was sitting on a step outside the soup kitchen, and he saw me carrying a large package. He asked if I needed help, and I said no. Then he said, Darling, I am sorry you have to walk so far because of us. I thought that was an odd reply, but I continued to walk up the street, Marcia says. When I passed an old, beat-up parked car with his windows down, I saw a man lean over toward the open window and say to me, Darling, I am sorry you have to walk so far because of us. He said the exact same thing the other man said. I will never forget the face of that man. In some way, the face was ageless. It was glowing with so much love toward me. He smiled the most beautiful, tender smile I have ever seen. I melted. I will never forget that face, because it was Christ. Christ loved me, who was a very sinful woman. (coughs) Excuse me. So, eventually, she goes through, um, she gave up most of her responsibilities in the business and began to actually work serving people in the soup kitchen and uh, was persecuted by her family. Her family um, made fun of her. Marcia's mother and brother, it says, persecuted her persecuted her, she says. They called me neurotic and suggested that I, I needed professional help. My mother ridiculed my conversion in front of the other employees, but, Marcia says, but she persevered. Finally, when her family was grown, she began looking in earnest at the hermit vocation. And uh, she visited communities, read uh, aromatic literature, and consulted her inspirations from the past, particularly the 14th century English mystics. And uh, so anyway, if you want to read the whole article, it's really quite fascinating. And I 
so I was reading this this week and thinking about her life and her day. Um, you know, she doesn't watch TV or do any of those kind of things. She gets up at 4.15 every morning and goes, walks to Mass. And then she has time of prayer. She has a time that she does her duties. Um, it says here that it, her life is not without obstacles. <clears throat> when asked what adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is like for her, Marcia pauses. In the silence, there is a kind of electrical charge in the air, an expansion of energy that fills the room. It's been said, and I agree, that it's like being empty, suspended in time, Marcia says, empty of self, but full of God. There's this great sense of peace in fullness. She goes on to say, uh, she said, it says she knows some question her lifestyle, but that does not deter her commitment. This is a calling, Marcia says. It's not for me only. I pray for the world. Sometimes I do intercessory prayer for conditions in the world. Sometimes the load becomes very heavy for me. I weep for the sorrows in the world. Their sorrow is my own. I must help, and prayer is my way of helping. That's the gift. No one says, I'm going to shut myself up, not see my grandchildren. It has to be a vocation that God has called you to. It's God's choice. And I said yes to it. So like she says, it's not for everyone. There's a part of me that thinks, oh, this I would love. But at the same time, I feel a great calling to be there for Barbara, an elderly woman who I live with. And she's very healthy and runs about town. In fact, she's always driving her friends out to lunch because at least two of her very close friends both have macular degeneration and cannot drive or even read the menus when they go out to eat. And she takes them out to lunch quite often, sometimes drives them to church. And uh, she's always taking someone somewhere to the doctor or wherever they need to go. And then there's her grandchildren who are grown but still need a great deal of help. And so she's often driving them about or taking them lunch at school because they forgot it or things like that. And um, as I mentioned, she's very healthy, goes to yoga twice a week, volunteers also at the Oasis uh, Senior Center Library. Um, and she's an angel. She's an angel on the earth, and she's 80. <laughs> and But she's my person to love. I will. She has been there for me. I've been living with her now almost almost 10 years. Never thought that I would be there that long. And um, God has shown me that uh, instead of bringing me another husband, um, I have a person to show my love to. And I get to, who knows, maybe someday I will be with someone again. But uh, in the meantime, I get to practice showing love to Barbara. So I get to look for ways to show my love. Because if I can't do it with her, how can I do it with someone else? So the elf will not be able to go into an hermitage. <laughs> First of all, I'd probably, if I wouldn't, I'd have to have the lottery so that I could build my own little, you know, little chapel and everything. Um, and that would be pretty cool, but I don't see that happening right away. And also, as I mentioned, I need to have time for the princesses. And hoping this coming year to even start up the uh, Warrior Princess Boot Camp. Uh, with the assistance of uh, one of my little friends. And, yeah, so there's lots of things that I think if we are open to hear the call of God, that we can we can find out what God has in plan for us. So I want to talk a little bit today. First, we're going to have a little more music because we are coming into the season of Lent. 
and growing, as I mentioned before, growing up, I knew nothing about what that meant. And then even later, I discovered that uh, at least what I was told it meant was, well, oh, you give up something for these 40 days so that you can kind of, you know, experience what Jesus felt when he had to fast 40 days in the desert and um, understand a little bit about what it means to be deprived of that thing that you like. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, that sounds interesting. But for me now, it's really a time just to set aside perhaps for more contemplation about this uh, season of the church leading up to Resurrection Sunday. And I love Ash Wednesday where we go and hear the message of Jesus's ministry and we get the ashes on our foreheads in the shape of a cross. And that is tomorrow. And there are many places that will be having Ash Wednesday services in case you're interested and don't know too much about that. You can check out Mariners is going to have one, Our Lady Queen of Angels, the Anglican churches, pretty much all of the Christian churches will be having an Ash Wednesday service. And um, so I want to talk with you a little bit when I come back about some things that you might want to do. Books are wonderful. I love books. They've been my friend through many journeys and even through my walk of faith, especially when my faith was um, in danger of shipwreck. Uh, The first time, about the same time that I discovered the elves, because I was going through a very different time in the spiritual tradition, Christian tradition that I was participating in. And it was it was a rather severe type of um, spiritual commitment. And the elves kind of saved me. <laughs> and then uh, years later, another book uh, came along and saved me. So, or at least helped to restore me when I couldn't, could no longer read the Bible because I felt so tainted by the way I had been trained to interpret it and that I didn't even know how to read it freshly anymore. And so there were books that were my friend. And um, and some of them were surprising to me that they were the things that drew me back to a closer walk um, and out of this, the dark night of my soul. <laughs> so I'm going to play uh, another song. This is uh, from The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. The song on the soundtrack is by Ed Sheeran, and this is a Kygo remix of that, which you can find on YouTube. This is KUCI in Irvine, and here is Icy Fire. And that is the Kygo remix of Icy Fire from The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. And you can find that on YouTube. It's pretty cool, I think. I love it. I even like it better than (laughs) the original song from the soundtrack. And I want to thank Athena Marie of Couch Boat Connection, which is on every Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. right before What Would Arwen Do? This is KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuvio, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And we're talking a little bit today about the season we are entering. It's March of 2014. Spring is coming, the 20th or 21st of this month. The uh, new year 
Elvish New Year, March 25th. <laughs> and March 25th this year is on a Tuesday, and I'm very excited because that is also National Tolkien Reading Day. So there will be people all over the globe, especially over in England and here in America and um, different places in Europe who will be celebrating the day with special readings of J.R.R. Tolkien. And we will be doing that here on What Would Arwen Do as well. I believe my friend John Paul, who is a DJ here at KUCI, and John Paul will be here with me to we'll have some Tolkien readings. Today, though, we're talking about Today being March 4th, the day before, and some people call this, it's, I find it an interesting term, Fat Tuesday, because Lent starts tomorrow, and traditionally, I guess, um, people give something up for Lent, something they're very fond of, so that they can, in some way, kind of um, identify with um, suffering or with, you know, not having something or with fasting. And I am not exactly sure what I'm going to do because I've given up. I already don't eat meat and I don't eat sugar and I don't eat chocolate and I can't have wheat uh, because of allergies. And um, so, and I really, I've found that I really don't like drinking wine so much anymore. I thought, well, maybe I'll give up wine, but I'm already not drinking wine. And so the one thing I can think of is chips. So it's one of my small things that I'm still, that I allow myself. I try not to eat processed food very often because we elves like to be healthy. But um, once in a while, I do like my reduced guilt potato chips that are super crunchy uh, that I get from Trader Joe's. And I do like to have those every once in a while. Like maybe I just have them once or twice a week. But... If I give them up for Lent, I wouldn't be having them at all. So that's what I'm I'm thinking of. Um, but mostly, I'm wanting to set aside this season as a time of contemplation and mindfulness, being intentional about my spirituality. You know, what do I believe? What does that mean for me as a person in the world? You know, mindfully living out your my existence for whatever time that I have on this planet. And as I mentioned before, I have gone through a couple of crises of faith, not so much with God or Jesus, but with Christians and the Christian traditions. And even now, I find it difficult, you know, reading this wonderful article about Marcia, who has become a hermit. But the flip side of that is um, some of the you know, the things of the church. And there's a wonderful book that I found, uh, The Treasury of Women Saints. And I was reading the other day about this St. Margaret, and she was one of the martyrs. Um, she was, um, so it says here, in spite of this cruel executions of so many of her friends, Margaret continued to arrange hidden masses. Finally, she was arrested once more you know, for having people uh, get together <clears throat> to uh, worship. Margaret refused a formal trial to spare her children the agony of being tortured to force them to give testimony against her. This meant that she would be subjected to the hideous torture of being stripped naked, 
laid on the ground and pressed under a weight of some 800 pounds. Wishing to set her free, the judges begged her, renounce her, her to renounce her faith and swear allegiance to the Queen of England instead, uh, accusing her of cruelty to her husband and children. They tempted her to give in. Calmly, she refused, commending all her persecutors to God. And she was indeed killed in that way. The weight, weighted press crushed her, and she called out, Yesu, 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 have mercy on me, and died within an hour. I think that was probably a very long hour, though. And so you read, and there's a part of you that, or me, that just wants nothing to do with organized religion because of some of the horrible things. Um, just a couple of days after I read that at my favorite little bookstore, the Friends of the Library Bookstore, I came across a beautiful edition of Fox's Book of Martyrs. And I'm not going to read anything from this, but it is a very disturbing book as well. Not only the fact that people were being put to death because, depending on who was in power, that they either wouldn't join the Roman Catholic Church or they wouldn't join the Protestant Church. And um, there's, it's just... Um, and these were real things that happened to real people. And... It just makes you, makes me so sad that, because I can't even imagine anything that would be less of what Jesus would want for his followers than to be murdering people over religious ideas. So, but I, sometimes I have to put that aside and say, okay, yeah, that's what people do. And people, you know, we, I do believe in the fall that we are not always seeing things correctly and doing the most loving thing. I think that's pretty obvious by the way we treat each other and the way we treat our planet. But I also believe that we have what C.S. Lewis calls the weight of glory on each of us made in the image of God and for him. And so through the years, there have been books that have helped me as through my crises of faith. One of the books that I'm enjoying right now uh, is Bill O'Reilly's book, which I wouldn't normally have picked up. Um, but my friend at work is reading it, and it's actually a very interesting account. It's called Killing Jesus uh, by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard. And it gives a very interesting picture of the life of Jesus and what was going on during that time. Um, very good historical uh, research and written very well, and also very interesting and engaging so that's something that you might want to pick up. Um, a couple of years ago when I was struggling about, you know, I was actually coming out of uh, the Reformed tradition of, and of Calvinism. I feel like I needed to be rescued and healed. And two books that helped me greatly during that time <laughs> were uh, Waking the Dead by John Eldridge, and it talks about our life as a Christian and that we are born into a battle zone, but also that it's a battle for our heart. And in some traditions, they still insist that the heart is still desperately wicked and that God does not love us. He only loves us because he sees Jesus, and we're kind of like hidden behind Jesus. But I believe that God actually does love us, and and I believe that the scriptures are right when they say that he gives us 
he makes us new creatures and gives us a new heart. And so this is a book that you may find interesting and very healing called Waking the Dead, The Glory of a Heart Fully Alive by John Eldritch. And with regards to Jesus, so many people have so many things to say about who he was, what he was here for, what he wants us to be doing nowadays. But a book that I found called um, Desire of the Everlasting Hills, again, this was a little book I picked up at the um, bookstore, um, it's written by T- Thomas Cahill, who is the author of How the Irish Saved uh, Civilization and the Gifts of the Jews. But this is called Desire of the Everlasting Hills, The World Before and After Jesus. And again, it just gives you a glimpse into what was going on in the world during that time. And so it's not coming from a Baptist perspective or a Calvinist perspective or Reformed or a Presbyterian or a Catholic or any of those types of things. It's um, Again, it's a little bit more <clears throat> just who was this Jesus? And um, a couple of other uh, things, other books that um, I've loved, and here we are already running out of time. Another book by John Eldridge called Epic, The Story God is Telling and Your Part uh, and the Role That is Yours to Play. And uh, it's interesting, on the back cover it says, Life for most of us feels like a movie we've arrived to 40 minutes late. And it says, sure, good things happen, sometimes beautiful things, but tragic things happen too. What does it mean? We find ourselves in the middle of a story that is sometimes wonderful, sometimes awful, usually a confusing mixture of both, and we haven't a clue how to make sense of it all. No wonder we keep losing heart. We need to know the rest of the story. And... um, it says there is a larger story and you have a crucial role to play. So this is called Epic, the Story God is Telling by John Eldridge. He also has another book uh, called the, um, I believe it's called The Sacred Mo- Romance, which is wonderful. Another book that you may want to pick up during this time of spiritual contemplation is C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Just a couple of years ago, this book was so helpful to me because, again, I just was so tired of all of the, this is the way to interpret scripture. We're right, they're wrong, we're in, they're out. And this is just the basics. (laughs) I felt like I could read this and it resonated with my heart and with who I, at least most of it, who I think God calls us to be in the world and um, it's non-denominational you know and it just is is the basics but gives us things to consider about our walk there's another interesting uh, book by G.K. Chesterton The Everlasting Man that you may want to pick up and another book let's see by C.S. Lewis called The Problem of Pain And uh, I wanted to read, oh gosh, I don't even know that we have time. Um, Why else were individuals created but that God, loving all infinitely, should love each differently? And this difference, so far from impairing, floods with meaning the love of all blessed creatures for one another, the communion of the saints. If all experienced God in the same way and returned him in identity, in identical worship, the song of the church triumphant would have no symphony. 
It would be like an orchestra in which all the instruments played the same note. Aristotle has told us that a city is a unity of unlikes, and St. Paul that a body is a unity of different members. Heaven is a city and a body because the blessed remain eternally different, a society because each has something to tell all the others, fresh and ever-fresh news of the, quote, my God, whom each finds in him, whom all praise as our God. For doubtless the continually successful yet never complete attempt by each soul to communicate its unique vision to all others, and that by means whereof earthly art and philosophy are but clumsy imitations, is also among the ends for which the individual was created. Unique individual expressions of God and unique in our expression of our life. So something to think about, some wonderful books that you may want to take up for this season of uh, contemplation leading up to the celebration of uh, the Resurrection Sunday in April, and perhaps maybe visit and attend a Ash, an Ash Wednesday service tomorrow at one of your local churches. With that, I'm going to leave you. I'm very excited because we have a Cub Scout troop coming in today for a tour, <clears throat> and I want to say welcome to them. I'm always excited to uh, show the scouts about around the station here. That's one of the things that we do here at KUCI, in addition to providing, hopefully, entertaining and interesting public affairs programs, but also great music. And at 6 o'clock, the irrepressible and ever-delightful Heather McCoy will be here with Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. So I hope you will stay around for that. I'm going to leave you with this song from the... This is my new favorite song. <laughs> Elvin, Elvish song, Howard Shore, Elvish song. But anyway, this is my new favorite song. It's from the uh, Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, and where... Tauriel and Keeley are having a conversation while he's in prison in Mirkwood. And this is called the Feast of Starlight. So go out, have a great week. Please show your love, show compassion for each other. Remember that we all bear the weight of glory. And let's try to teach each, treat each other with love. Lots of hugs and kisses on the cheek. And until next week, Namaria. This is KCI in Irvine.